two minutes to five o'clock here on Radio Veritas. My name is Father Russell Pollitt. I'm standing in this afternoon for Father Tabo Mochehwa. He'll be back with you next week. We were talking in the first hour about fake news and especially prompted by the uh, World Communications uh, letter, message by Pope Francis. And then we also spoke to Gerald Maidens, who is an occupational therapist. How do you identify sensory issues when it comes uh, to uh, your your children. Uh, this could very much impact on their learning. I also asked you to send me your thoughts on either Twitter or WhatsApp, uh, not WhatsApp, SMS. You see, I'm, I'm stuck already into WhatsApp, about your thoughts about WhatsApp, uh, WhatsApp groups most especially. Are you on WhatsApp groups? Are you forced to be on WhatsApp groups? Do you like WhatsApp groups? Are your children on WhatsApp groups? And do you know who is on the group with them? Somebody tells me that they refuse to be on a WhatsApp group. What are your thoughts about WhatsApp groups? You can SMS me to 41809, 41809. Or you can tweet me at rpollett, S-J-R-P-O-L-L-I-T-T-S-J. Now, to end that letter on world communications from Pope Francis, he takes a prayer, a Franciscan prayer, inspired by St. Francis, and he adapts it to truth. And this is what the Pope writes. Lord, make us instruments of your peace. Help us to recognize the evil latent in a communication that does not build communion. Help us to remove the venom from our judgments. Help us to speak about others as our brothers and sisters. You are a faithful, you are faithful and trustworthy. May our words be seeds of goodness for the world. Where there is shouting, let us practice listening. Where there is confusion, let us inspire harmony. Where there is ambiguity, let us bring clarity. Where there is exclusion, let us offer solidarity. Where there is sensationalism, let us use sobriety. Where there is superficiality, let us raise real questions. Where there is prejudice, let us awaken trust. Where there is hostility, let us bring respect. Where there is falsehood, let us bring truth. And that was last week, the 24th of January, Pope Francis in his World Communications Message for 2018. It's now five o'clock on the dot, and in the next half an hour, we're going to be talking, first of all, to Mike Pothier from the Catholic Parliamentary Liaison Office on what News24 is reporting about the ANC's National Working Committee asking the top six to tell President Zuma to step down before the state of the nation. And then we'll be connecting with Archbishop William Snattery, who is the spokesperson for the Bishops' Conference. The plenary has just finished this morning, the Bishops' January plenary. They have two of those a year, one in January, one in August. And we're going to hear from Archbishop Slattery what happened at the plenary and what for him was the most important things that came out of that plenary. So to begin with, News 24 reporting the country has been perhaps since the beginning of December uh, when the 
electoral conference of the ANC took place mid-December, uh, talking about the place of President Jacob Zuma. And there's been this thing that's gone back and forth about whether the president should step down or whether the president should stay in place. Some people are calling now for him to go, and people have been calling for a long time. The ANC was protecting him. Now it seems that some in the ANC are saying he should go. And News24 today says that the National Working Committee held its first meeting on Monday and has said that Zuma, President Zuma, should go before the State of the Nation address. Just a day before that, on Sunday, the uh, um, Secretary-General, Ace Marushule, was saying that uh, the President's going nowhere and this hasn't been discussed. What's a Catholic take on what is happening? We welcome to the show this afternoon Mike Pothier, who works at the Catholic Parliamentary Liaison Office in Cape Town. Very good afternoon to you, Mike. Good afternoon, Russell. Nice to chat to you. Yes, indeed. Mike, what do you make of this uh, breaking news from News24 today that the National Working Committee seems to be saying to the top six of the party, Zuma must step down and he must do it before the state of the nation? Well, I'm not sure if it's a particularly a Catholic standpoint on the question other than to say that, that quite clearly um, somebody is, is telling a lie, which in, in um, most states is not thought to be such a good thing. What's happening, as you say, Ace Magashule says one thing, Jesse Duarte said something very similar to Ace. Um, Serial Huffaji wrote a column on the uh, Huffington Post this morning saying that the negotiations are ongoing for Zuma's exit, but he'll only go in May or June or maybe even hang around till next year early. And then News24 says actually the Working Committee wants him out before the 8th of February. Someone's not telling the truth. There's some misinformation or just some baseless speculation going on. I really don't think anyone actually knows what's happening from from one day to the next with uh, with Zuma's exit. It does seem, however, that once again, despite the many talks of unity that we heard from the Electoral Conference and even around uh, the January the 8th statement, that these uh, different uh, factions within the ANC are still very much at work and it is not a unified party but but still very fractured. That's definitely the case. You can't reconcile what Cyril Ramaphosa has been saying both here and on his trip to Davos with what um, Ace Magashule and Jesse Duarte said over the weekend they, they are clearly not reading from the same script. And I guess, you know, people are trying to manage this transition in the way that uh, is, is most to their advantage. Uh, Ramaphosa is, I think, quite sincerely trying to rescue the party, get it back on track, rescue the country and get us back on track as well against some odds. Um, and people in the Zuma camp while they may realize that his days are numbered, they have a powerful incentive to keep him in place for as long as possible and to engineer the exit in a way that uh, is, is, is least harmful to him and to their interests. Some people are saying that there is this rhetoric that it's got to be managed because he mustn't be embarrassed and you know it, it must in any way harm him. Others are saying, well, he's done a lot of damage as it is. Why should we be going soft on him now? Your thoughts on that? I suppose in an ideal world, you would want people to have to take responsibility for the damage that they've done and for the bad decisions that they've made. Uh, politics is seldom that kind of ideal world. And it may be, uh, I'm not saying it is, but it may be that uh, the best way forward, the least damaging, harmful, contentious way forward, 
is for uh, some sort of a dignified exit to be found for Mr. Zuma. But let's remember that whatever happens at a political level, he still must face criminal charges relating to the old corruption uh, charges of, of, of 15 or more years ago, which the courts have now said must be reinstated. And if the state capture inquiry finds that he, Mr. Zuma, was um, potentially guilty of further corruption or frauds or whatever, he can be charged um, as a result of that, regardless of the political settlement. In other words, the political exit is one thing, but that doesn't mean that Mr. Zuma gets to go off scot-free. Over the weekend at the celebration of the bicentenary of the Catholic Church in uh, Southern Africa, Bishop Setembele Sepuka said that we must be very careful not in, not to get into a, and I'm going to use exactly what he said, an orgy of Zuma bashing, that there were many other problems that faced the country and that Zuma perhaps has been everyone's focus and these other problems are slipping b- below the radar. There's also a sense in some quarters that Cyril Ramaphosa is going to be the great messiah and save everything. I mean, there's truth in what Sapuka says, that we must be very careful. On the other hand, we should also be cautious that Cyril Ramaphosa is going to, if Zuma goes, suddenly wave a wand and everything in the country will, will be okay. Absolutely. There's, everyone has said uh, since before he was elected that Ramaphosa is going to have an uphill battle fighting some deep structural problems. He has to deal with an economy which is in a very bad way, not only because of mismanagement, but also because of factors largely beyond our country's control. Um, poverty and inequality is very deep-seated. We still have the legacy uh, to deal with of the way that our country was governed for decades and centuries before 1994. We can't wish that away. So there's no such thing as a magic wand. And I would agree with the bishop also regarding Zuma. Zuma was a kind of symptom. He was a, um, a poster boy for corruption and maladministration. But he wasn't the only one. Um, there's so much else going on. And let's remember in the private sector as well, more and more is coming out. The Steinos of this world, the multi-choice deal around high-definition uh, television and encryption and all of that sort of thing. And heaven knows what else is bubbling under that we don't even know about yet. The, the scandalous way in which companies like KPMG conducted themselves. All state corruption, as we know, goes hand in hand with private sector corruption because that's where the money comes from. So, yeah, Zuma was a disaster. Uh, he is still a disaster as long as he remains in power. But he was by no means the only one. I think you make a very important point there, Mike, about uh, the question of corporate corruption, because it does seem that the tentacles of corruption, uh, which for the most part have been have been revealed in government uh, and yet reach deeply into the corporate sector in South Africa and even the likes of McKinsey or KPMG or whatever, they're still not on the front pages of the newspaper every day. Corruption still seems to uh, always have the face of someone in government there. Uh, Steinhofer, that that affair as well. Uh, how I mean, how are, how are we going to deal with corruption in this country when the tentacles just seem to go so deep and, as you say, business in many ways because it's uh, it's to their advantage uh, to be uh, doing raw deals or dirty deals with politicians uh, on the side. How how is this ever going to be sort of uh, weeded out? I don't have a you know. A, a had answered to that question, but one thing that I'm fairly convinced about is that we hold our public figures 
we try to hold them to account. That's why in the Zoomers of this world are, as you say, on the front pages and Parliament has inquiries into what they do and the public protector writes reports about them and so on. And that's all very proper and good and correct. But we don't hold the so-called private sector mm. to the same standards because we think of them as private. And yet, a company like Steinhoff, as we very well know, is in fact owned to a very large extent by you and me and government workers and police officers and school teachers and so on through the pension fund. Most people perhaps don't realize that these big corporates, the, the companies that are listed on the Joburg Stock Exchange and so on, are ultimately owned by the people of this country um, through various structures. But in that sense, we should stop thinking of them as private entities that can do what they like, and if they mess up, they're only responsible to their boards of directors and so on. No. We've got to find ways of holding them accountable and responsible to us, the people of the country, because on the one hand, we own them ultimately, and on the other hand, what they do has a vast effect on the health or otherwise of our economy and our well-being as a nation. So we do need to put them more on the front pages, not only the politicians. Absolutely. And I think the other part of the story is that when people have done things that they're not supposed to do in the corporate sector or in government, we have to have the confidence that they are going to be held accountable and the courts are going to hold them accountable. They will be prosecuted and the consequences of their actions uh, will be uh, will 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 be taken care of in a way that is just. Uh, one of the problems we've had, of course, is that many cases don't get through the courts because there's all sorts of issues with the NPA. That might be changing. Uh, we hope it's going to change. And send a very clear message that if you're corrupt, no matter where you are, if it's in a church, if it's in the corporate sector, or if it's in uh, the government, you are going to be held accountable. Correct. And we may have to also change the way in which we initiate these things. Generally speaking, before the authorities, police and the hawks and the rest of it, will investigate, for example, corrupt practices in a corporation, in a company, somebody has to go and lay charges. And most times, the company prefers not to lay charges when they discover corruption within their own ranks because of the reputational damage. They like to hush it up, fire someone, or you know, even let him go with a nice golden handshake, and let's keep quiet about it. That simply incentivizes corruption in the long term. So we perhaps need to have, again, a more publicly-minded approach to these things where corporate corruption can be investigated and prosecuted regardless of whether or not um, particular charges have been laid by the company or by the victims themselves. Mike Pothier from the Catholic Parliamentary Liaison Office in Cape Town, thank you very much for talking to us this afternoon. Pleasure, Russell. Go well. It's now uh, 12 minutes uh, past 5 o'clock. You're listening to Radio Veritas on 576 AM, also broadcasting 870 audio on the DSTV bouquet. I asked people what you think about WhatsApp groups to SMS me on 41809. Someone says, WhatsApp groups are the bane of my life. People don't know how to use them, and often I get added to groups and I don't see the point of it. What's your experience with WhatsApp groups? Do you like them? Are you on them? Are your children on them? And do you know who your children are talking to on those groups? Send me your SMS, 41809.